Thank you. I really feel a little bit guilty for being here. I want to thank the Academy for inviting me. I feel guilty because I'm being honored for enjoying myself. I've spent all my years doing science, which has given me great pleasure. And not only have I found that I can make a living doing it, but I'm honored by it as well. Now, I should tell you that when one reaches this stage, one starts thinking back to how one got here. And I must start with my father, who was, as you have already heard, an immigrant from Eastern Europe, who instilled in me a deep love of learning and also a deep sense of social justice. And perhaps more important, I should mention the fact that I married a man who was sure that I could make it and who was supportive to me in my career throughout my entire uh, adult life. Now, there were a lot of negative things and influences. It wasn't easy in my generation for a woman to become a scientist. I still remember that when I went to college, I, the chairman of the Department of Chemistry, I decided to study chemistry after many, much hesitation about what field I should go into. And I came to this decision because I decided that I was the kind of kid who was interested in everything, that I could learn the humanities and the social sciences myself. But science, I really had to study at school. At any rate, the chairman of the Department of Chemistry, I went to a girls' college, didn't think that women should become chemists. The term he used was that it wasn't ladylike. Uh, I wasn't surprised when I decided to go to graduate school that my 75-year-old great-aunt thought I was educating myself out of the marriage market. But I was appalled to find out that the head of the chemistry department of my college felt exactly the same way and assured me that if I continued in this misguided direction, and that's the word he used, that I would never get married. Well, that's all history. The fact is that I did go to graduate school, but there again, I had the problem of being supported, and there was no money for a young woman. They would not give me an assistantship. Uh, this was at Columbia University, because I would have to teach in Columbia College, which was a boys' school, and they would not have a woman as a teaching assistant because they had had bad experience in World War I. That was even before my time. <laughs> At any rate, the result was that I had to go out and work, and I worked for two and a half years uh, in order to earn money to uh, uh, continue with my work. Now, after I got my PhD, the situation was still very grim. It was the depth of the Depression, and though you may be surprised to know this, at that time, even though there were very few jobs, Columbia University had a very good chemistry department, and they used to send recruiters around from all the big companies, DuPont, Standard Oil, etc. And they used to hire about one person every year. And the notices would go up on the bulletin board. This was perfectly open. This was in the city of New York in 1937. It would say, Mr. So-and-so from such-and-such a company will recruit, will uh, interview all prospective PhDs of this year, male, Christian. 
I was out on two counts. I never had an interview. However, there were compensations. I had as my mentor Professor Harold Urey, who was a wonderful scientist, a great scientist, and a great human being. In 1934, he got the Nobel Prize in chemistry. He was the third American to do it. He came from a farm in Kansas, and as a boy, he was so poor that it was just accidental that he managed to go to high school. He never forgot that, and he always had compassion for the underdog. And he taught me not only chemistry, he taught me human values, and he taught me certain standards in science, which I have never forgotten. I was very fortunate in working with him because he was working at the forefront of science at that time. He had gotten the Nobel Prize for discovering deuterium, the isotope of hydrogen, and he was separating all the stable isotopes. And I finally was offered a job not in physical chemistry in which I had been trained, but in biochemistry because some very uh, adventurous scientists in the field of biochemistry had realized that one could use isotopes to trace metabolism. This was a new idea in 1937, and there were very few people who were capable of using this new tool, and I fortunately had been trained by Yuri, and I therefore was able to get a job, and I'm will say, my one advice, piece of advice is always work at the forefront, always work at the frontiers of science if you can. As Millikan said, work at the hot point of science. And that is not only where the intellectual excitement is, but it's also where your skills will be appreciated. I then worked in medical schools ever since that time. And I worked first with Davinio. Uh, Professor Davinio, who later got a Nobel Prize, too. And then, ev eventually, I went to work at Washington University in St. Louis with Carl and Gertie Corey. They were a husband and wife team who got the Nobel Prize working together. And I must say that it was a genuine pleasure for me to find a great woman scientist who was so supportive of my career as well. And there, I got interested in, in enzymes and how they make chemical reactions in living cells work. And it was during my stay at Washington University that I became interested in using nuclear magnetic resonance to study enzyme reactions. And I must say that I have stayed in this field for over 20 years, and one of the really gratifying things has been to see that something which I considered just a means of studying uh, a very challenging problem in basic science 20 years later is being used in medical diagnosis and in monitoring human disease. And so I feel that not only can one do science for the love of learning, but one can also do science that does good for human society as well. And it is very gratifying when the two come together. Now, I would like to say to all of you who have been chosen to come here that I have a few pieces of advice to give. As I've already said, work at the frontier of your field where the excitement is. If you enjoy doing what you're doing, don't let yourself be easily discouraged. Stick to it. 
And I would also say that try to work with the very best people in your field, not only best from the professional point of view, but best from the point of view of human values, because there are people, of course, of both kinds who are outstanding professionally, but there are only some very rare individuals who are also great human beings, as I have had the pleasure of working with such people. And I have a special word of advice for young women who are contemplating a career in science. I have often been asked by young women, how does one combine a career, a demanding career in science with family life? And I remember about 10 years ago, I participated in a panel discussion at Princeton where the young women students had invited a group of established women scientists to discuss uh, women in science. And there were nine women on this panel, and they varied in age. They had very little in common. Their ethnic backgrounds were different. There was one from England, one from Italy. And uh, uh, they also varied in interest in field. They went from biologists to uh, computer scientists. But one thing they all had in common, they had all had fathers who expected them to achieve. And uh, I don't know whether that's still true or not, but uh, that was a very important thing. Uh, and when I, it came to this question of how does one combine a scientific career uh, with family life, I always like to point out that there have been seven women Nobel Prize winners in science, and six of them were not only married, but they all had children as well. So it can be done. And I would like to say that as we, I listen to the other speakers, so many of them of my generation, or perhaps a little younger, talked of the difficulties of their early lives, of the problems, and so on. And of course, I have mentioned some of them too. I would like to say that I realize that every generation has problems. There are different kinds of problems. Every generation has a different kind of problem. And I'm sure that the current generation that all of you represent, the problems are just as serious, though of a different kind, than in my generation. But what is the same in all cases, I think, is that the way to overcome it is the same for all generations. One must have the right set of values and believe in them thoroughly and live by the set of values. And I'm sure that all of you young people wouldn't be here if you hadn't overcome the problems in just that way. And so I say to you, remember the right human values and stick with them. Thank you.